Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. Fantasy Football Frenzy right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Corey Parson, Tony Zincada for the next hour. Breaking down and recapping the NFL Draft. Let you know where the Fantasy Football Stars of tomorrow take their talents, how they can help you in the upcoming season. Tony, what's going I'm on, my man? I heard from my talents mom. to South Beach. That's not a bad place to go. Remember I uh, got a text day? back. I remember that text. I was one of the greatest, well, one of the most controversial days in sports history. Absolutely was. And I'll tell you what, that's why I get pissed off at all these people that have nothing to talk about on all these shows. So they talk about where LeBron's going to end up next. He's going to end up in Cleveland, people. He got, he got so killed for that thing that he's at 35 years of his career. I think that he's going to say, hey, and especially if they win today. If they win again and they, like, go, like, he has to stay there. He just means too much to that city. He can't do this again. He's too smart, I think, to re- and that he has to realize it at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Let, uh, I know we got. I just want to get your opinion. I haven't had a chance to talk to you. We got plenty of fancy football talk coming up. Uh, not to mention the fact I just got a text back from Joe Lisi, so he's going to join us in about 15 minutes from now, and he's going to um help us go through and uh, figure out some of these situations with the uh, NFL draft. Now, the situation with um oh my goodness, LeBron James tone. The game where he hits the, uh, the the game where he hits the um the big shot the other night to win the game in game five. The lack of the review on the goal ten, I the NBA dropped the ball on that one. That was that was a bad look right there because that was a goal ten, and you say okay, well obviously LeBron hits the shot, much different shot, Tony tie game as opposed to down two. Yeah, I agree, but I, I I'll tell you what, I think that we're unfair because that that play is so quick and those guys are so athletic that watching that live, I didn't even consider it. Going to review? Like I didn't not, like I didn't cons- yeah. like when it happened live, I I just said, "Hey, that's a great play." You know what? Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about goaltending. And I watched okay. the replay and I I think it's the judgment call. You could go either way. So you're just you're more or less as a great player making a great play. I'm happy I yeah. was part of the moment. Yeah. And if I it was anyone that. other than LeBron James, I think people wouldn't be bitching about it. People bitch about this guy no matter what he does. Hmm. Like and it's I... the only it's the only guy that this guy hits a three pointer, nails a shot to win the game. And we're talking about the goaltending that happened before that. 
when he more or less did the the he the goal ten was a a, a, a turn ends up going down in the record book as a great block by him a great player yeah. on defense comes back and gets the bucket on the other end and then yeah. all the greatness that is LeBron James and today of course is that big game seven I think that game starts now so yeah um, one ten one ten yeah. I think Indiana has a shot to beat him uh, it's oh, kind of crazy they have, you're right they haven't beaten Indiana soundly. At, at no. all. Indiana has beat them soundly. They have not beat Indiana soundly. LeBron James has to score at least 36, 37 points today, at least for them to win this game. He's a one-man team now. It's, it's kind of crazy. And here's the reason, and I didn't realize this until until the series. I, I always thought Indiana was a little overrated uh, this year. Like I'm like, how are they winning games with this team? But team is here's, what, here's the difference. They are so much better athletically. Like, they can mm-hmm. get up and down the court. And LeBron's the only athlete in Cleveland. Yeah, it's interesting that this Cleveland team is being pushed to the brink by essentially a Pacer team that is re- rebuilding. They just lost Paul George. Be- Don't yeah. get me wrong, Victor Aladipo has come in and put up a nice season, and he is an all-star level player, but they shouldn't be hanging this close with the Cavaliers. But they are. Nope. And maybe they, they sh- are. And maybe they should. And I'll tell you what, uh, if you're listening on demand, we're doing this game like right before it starts. I would take the five points, even though I think Cleveland is going to win this game. Every uh, game's been that, down to the wire. That one is that one has been out, that one has been out of whack. And you're right, every game has been um, down to the wire. But I would I would bet Cleveland plus the five. They uh, I like Cleveland. The, the Pacers are getting it done, and then we of course we saw. Uh, a Golden State whack the New Orleans Pelicans last night. You know it's crazy. The Pelicans' problem all year, even though they were playing well, is defensively they were the worst team in the league since DeMarcus Cousins, and it showed up last night bad. The reason why they look so good against Portland is because they put the double team on Dame Lillard. You and there's and no yes, one else okay. to beat them. It's no one else to beat you. C.J. McCollum is not going to beat you, especially when you have a player like Anthony Davis and the way Drew Holiday was playing. Now, but last Drew Holiday night, they just... had games where he scored over 35 points. Last night he had like seven because they they, oh, he didn't play well, yeah. they they play defense because now somebody's guarding him. <laughs> but here's the other problem is that the Pelicans allowed 75 points at halftime. Mm-hmm. Stephon Curry didn't play. I know. That's, that's He's going to play that's the a, next game. That's a bad sign. I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, play, I wouldn't play him until I wouldn't play him until game three. So Give him another week off. Yeah. Give him another week it, it off. Makes, it makes sense. And I'll tell you what, I thought for sure he would play last night. So this tells me that injury is worse than I thought it was. And you're right. If you're up one nothing, why play him? You just won by 70 points last night. You get game two on your court on Tuesday, I believe Wednesday. You get a travel day. You probably won't play. They're going to put the Warriors on on the weekend. So you're probably not looking to play again until Friday night, maybe Saturday. No, they won't have them off for that long. Probably play again on Friday. I can see them playing Thursday, Saturday. So really, if you can give him – you don't have to play him on Tuesday. You play him on Thursday. Hell, you may not have to play him until Saturday. They might be 3 nothing. By the time he comes back, because at some point you got to get him ready for the conference finals. You want him to get in um in the groove. You know what I mean? And them and the Rockets on a collision course uh, for the conference finals, and uh, and a lot of people will see that as the NBA final. Yeah, no doubt that is going to be the NBA final. I think that's the matchup. That's the seven games. That's the series that we've been looking at all years. Okay, when these two teams get it on right here, 
this is going to be with the best basketball that we see. They played some pretty good. They've played two good games this season. No, they played one good game. I think Houston blew them out the other time. Golden State struggling with injuries. So, um, some fun basketball stuff going on. We're here to talk some football today, Tony. Baker Mayfield goes with the first pick in the, in, in the draft, followed by Saquon Barkley. A lot of rookie draft talks going on and stuff like that. Now, Barkley will no doubt be the first rookie to go off the board. The running back from Penn State, the generational talent, as it, as everybody says. And when you look at the rest of some of the field, um, um, really a lot of quarterbacks. Now, what do you think of these quarterbacks as first-year starters? If Baker Mayfield comes in there, he gets the gig from day one, more than likely. He's got weapons. Yeah. Or is he going to be able to cultivate these weapons? Are we going to be able to feel comfortable with Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, uh, the kid Coleman, the tight end David Njoku? Are these guys going to be guys that you're like, you know what, talented players, but they're going to be held back because of Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield, they have a decent offensive line, which is a good run block game. So I think to some point, maybe. Like, they're not going to go and throw the ball 40 times a game unless their defense allows a lot of points. And their defense isn't bad either. Uh, So I'm mixed on this. I think the safest thing to say is he's got the best weapons. He's got the best offense around him. You got to go with Baker Mayfield. But like I said, I'm leaning towards uh, Donald in this Jets offense because I like the wide receivers. I like their J- their defense has gotten older. It hasn't gotten better. I, I I think he's got more of an opportunity to put up fantasy numbers. You look at the pieces. You got Robbie Anderson. Don't forget Quincy and Noon were coming back. Um, Jermaine Curse was together a good season last year too. Jermaine Curse also in the backfield. What do the Jets have in the backfield? They still got Bilal Powell and Crow, Isaiah Crowell. And Isaiah Crowell, yes, that's right. Uh, I should, that's so names. Powell's another guy that's going to catch the ball out of the backfield, right? Uh huh. And yeah. it, it, it put up some meaning, meaning uh, some meaningless numbers. Uh, they lost their tight end. They bring in Clive Wolford um, this year, who's got it. You know what? At one time, <laughs> we thought Hat was something with the Raiders, but he never mm-hmm. materialized. And um, it's also interesting that the Jets also have Thomas Rawls there when uh, everyone uh, – I, I would like to ask our guy uh, um, what he thinks of Elijah McGuire now that they bring all these veterans. It shows me that the Jets uh, doesn't seem like they have a lot of love for Elijah McGuire. No, no, it, it, it doesn't. So um, and people were on him, hot and heavy on him last year. Hugh Jackson is a, still a buffoon, man. Explain. He doesn't understand the concept when you're the head coach that you should just be a political and not really answer questions. Mm-hmm. Head coach Hugh Jackson confirms Tyrod Taylor is the team's starting quarterback. What's wrong with saying, hey, let's get these guys to camp and let, the, let them settle it on the field? Yeah. What's wrong How with about, saying that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, exactly. We got, we, we'll like, get, yeah, exactly. We'll get to camp and figure that out. Yeah, I mean, these guys, they drive me crazy. Like, I mean, does Tyrod need, I guess Tyrod, maybe he feels like Tyrod's ego is uh, going to take a hit or something. I don't know why they do this. You don't bring Mayfield in here with the first overall pick with Barkley on the board to sit him. You know what I mean? So I think it's common knowledge what they're going to do. So Hugh Jackson in that situation, his job is to give an answer but not to give a quote. Hmm. The Bills don't want Des Bryant. 
<laughs> Des Bryant uh, is um his it, it, it's it's post draft Tony. Is the market out there for him? He turned down a multi year deal from the Ravens. Yeah. What's he waiting for? Which I for? told it was the funniest thing is like I was telling Cardano this on a, a thing that you know what he was like Des Bryant's washed up. No one wants. I said no. People want him. Des Bryant's a lunatic. I said, how do you know he hasn't got offers that he said no to? He goes, why would he say no? I said, I'm not talking about a reasonable person here. I'm mm-hmm. talking about a guy that's got his mind made up that he only wants to play for four teams, and he thinks he's going to happen, and he's crazy. You're going to find out quick. Des Bryant and DeMarco Murray both on the market. Interesting DeMarco Murray hasn't. I, I think Murray has some stuff. I think Murray has it left in the tank, Tony. I do too, but I think DeMarco Murray is a little like Des Bryant where he sees himself as an elite running back and he wants to be paid like one. He's going to have to wait till camp starts and somebody get hurt. So yeah, keep yourself in pretty and good that's, shape. And that's not a bad strategy for both guys, right? Because then you get to come in and the team needs you and you may be able to soak them for a little cash. Yeah, no doubt about it. But Des so obviously is an interest in cash because he just turned down a contract. He's more interested in in revenge. It's personal. Yeah. He wants revenge now. So, I don't know. Hey, Tony, will you draft? Will you have any shares of Will Fuller this upcoming season? That's a good question. I think you have to. I think you have to based on what Deshaun Watson and him were able to put up in that limited time. Uh, not. Another wide receiver there. The tight end situation is in flux. Ah, uh, yeah, Will Fuller, absolutely. Uh, I think this is a team, and even in the running back situation, like we don't really know what the running back situation is going to be there. Um, yeah, uh, Will Fuller, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to be in on Fuller too, especially with the health of Deshaun Watson. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some Watson shares this year too, Tony. I'm gonna see um what it feels like to play up for one of the bigger quarterbacks see, instead I- of how to. Put it together. I'm uh, I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm uncomfortable okay. with the Deshaun Watson thing. Watson has put up huge numbers. Like the fight, the games he played, he was on pace to be the greatest fantasy quarterback one season of all time. Mm-hmm. But it's only five games. Like, and I'm like, am I really going to go off those five games and make a guy the third quarterback or the second quarterback taken in the draft? You like, kind of feel as if the, though, what's, what's 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 going to change though. That's the philosophy. Well, we didn't really see a lot of track record of, of putting up those numbers. Like, we've seen it in five games. He had the opportunity. He comes in. I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like no matter what the fantasy sport is, to put that much stock into a short sample size seems like a lot to me. But if it's true and you don't draft him, you know what? It might be a long fantasy football 2019 when you see his uh, your league mates that do have him win it, like I said, I don't yeah. plan on being overexposed, but I will um, in the draft format. I'm not going to pay for him in an auction. In the draft format, I will. Um, but then again, who knows? Maybe I do pay for him in the auction and run the draft the regular way. Who knows? But I'll tell I you the truth. Is my... that I, I, I'll tell you the truth. If I was said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to grab a quarterback early, uh, my point of emphasis would be to just take Aaron Rodgers. Okay, and just take the safest guy and go with it from there. Yeah. Okay. But I, can dig it. I feel the crazy part is I don't really feel there's a number two quarterback this year, like a solidified number two. 
Uh, people are going to look at Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. I would say Russell Wilson is probably the second quarterback. And, and it's crazy, like, that people would jump all over those two as opposed to Tom Brady, which yep. I say it's crazy, but I'd hate, like, I'd hate to draft Tom Brady as the second quarterback, too. Yeah, me too. I agree. Hey, Pete Constadori. Um, can we get a Pete Constadori some microphone on headset? I want to holler at my boy Pete Constadori. What's, what's going on? Hey, Pete, let me ask you a question, brother. Are you – is this your last day? Uh, No, next week. Next Sunday will be my last day. All right, next Sunday. Yeah. I wanted to make sure we gave you a shout-out if it was your last time. I appreciate uh, that. Party for, are they going to have a party for you, like, on the way I'm, out? I don't know. I'm going to come in studio – I'm going to come in studio next weekend and bring a pizza for him, Tony. And oh, me and him have oh, a party. Pizza. <laughs> yeah. pizza party is always fun. Yeah, you know, I was mm-hmm. thinking about pizza yesterday when I, I went to, to Little Caesars, right? And I mm-hmm. said, man, this Little Caesars pizza is just like every guy wants his woman. And it's not hot and ready. It's that we just want us to, these women to set us back $5. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Hey, Pete, I'm putting um, our guy Joe Lisi's number in the call screener. He's going to join us next segment and try to get him to stay on with us for the rest of the show. So there you go right there, Joe Lisi, coming up right here on the Fancy Football Frenzy. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Fancy Football Frenzy, FNTSY Radio, Exec and Sincata, NFL Draft 2018 in the books. Get ready to bang the gavel on the 2018 fantasy football season. Oh, talk a lot of fantasy football, but when it comes to some of these prospects, I want to go to the expert, and that is my man Joe Lisi. Joe, thanks for joining me and Tony on this lovely Sunday afternoon. How you doing, buddy? Uh, anytime, Corey. Love the show, and uh, more importantly, love talking college football. Yeah, no doubt about it. So um, let's hop right in. When you look at the situation with the Cleveland Browns, 1-1, they take Baker Mayfield. He comes in. He is supposed to be, once again, the franchise savior. Hugh Jackson, Tyrod Taylor, I can't even think, Deshaun Kaiser, the whole gang. They got the pieces in the offense that look pretty decent. They bring in Nick Chubb. Is Baker Mayfield the guy that's going to be the franchise quarterback to take this team Uh into a winning team in the AFC? Uh, I guess only time will tell. I can tell you this, over Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen, I think Baker Mayfield is a better pick over both prospects. A lot has been said about Josh Allen. Wasn't high on him coming into this draft. I thought he was a fourth or a fifth-round pick. The one thing that Baker Mayfield has going for him in this draft, and more importantly, his transgression or progression into the NFL is completion percentage. You're talking about a quarterback, Corey, that completed 68, 71, and 70% three straight years at Oklahoma. I know it was a system, but if you're looking at one quarterback that made the transition, Deshaun Watson, three straight years at 67 completion percentage at Clemson, 
I think it's going to take Baker Mayfield a couple of years, but he is a competitor, and he does remind me of a very raw Drew Brees. So I think that's a start for the Cleveland Browns. Let me ask you, this is because this is the talk that everybody would say with Baker Mayfield. When's the last quarterback to come out of that conference to come in and do anything in the National Football League? How much do you put that into play? Again, you can look at any program. We can look at UCLA quarterbacks. I mean, Troy Aikman was the last one that had any type of success. Brett Hundley. Uh, you can look at a guy like Cade McNown that never panned out. I mean, USC quarterbacks for the most part. Carson Palmer was the last one to make any strides, Tony. So, I don't put a lot of weight into that. I think you have to judge yeah. player by player. I mean, George has been known as running back you. That's one thing that I think you could say, for the most part, is almost a legitimate thing is that Georgia running backs on the next level have played very well. But that aside, I mean, I think every quarterback really needs to be judged a little bit differently coming out of uh, college into the NFL. Talking with Joe Lisi. Joe, when you, you, I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the Georgia Bulldog running backs. We see Michelle and Chubb both go in this draft. Michelle goes to the New England Patriots. For fantasy owners, that's kind of a nightmare because of Bill Belichick's rotation with his running backs. But let's start with Chubb. He goes to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns also have Duke Johnson, more of a pass-catching option. They could put him in the slot and do different things with him as a wide receiver. But now he's going to be competing for carries with, with Carlos Hyde. You think Chubb can come out on the positive side, side of a timeshare over Carlos Hyde? I, I think he can. I think the one difference between Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb is I think Carlos Hyde was a product of the system uh, at Ohio State. I think that's the one thing. I think when you look at their ability to spread it with the quarterback, uh, I think Carlos Hyde was a little bit overrated coming out of college. I think when you look at Nick Chubb, he's a running back that's going to run between the tackles, the A and B gaps. I told you when we spoke last time on the show, he reminds me of a Jonathan Stewart type former Carolina Panther that had a 10-year career in the NFL. But I think he's a little bit better than Jonathan Stewart. He's a guy that did it on an elite level in the SEC, coming off an ACL injury, but it doesn't matter. He doesn't go down after the first sign of contact, Corey. And that's the one thing I think that Cleveland needs. They need somebody that, a workhorse that can carry the load and move the chains. And I think he's the back that, uh, that would definitely fit well in their system. Yeah, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson, and I, and the reason I want to talk about Lamar Jackson is uh, Bill Polian took a lot of flack, and I, I think it was wrongly, to tell you the truth. I think Bill Polian actually complimented Lamar Jackson, and people took it and spun it in a way. Yeah. Bill Polian says that with the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands, other than Saquon Barkley, this is a guy that is the most devastating player in this draft with the ball in his hands. He didn't think he could play quarterback right away. I think the Ravens drafted this guy, and they're going to use him at running back and wide receiver for two or three years until he becomes the quarterback there. So that way they can get a first-round draft pick and get their money's worth out of this guy. What do you think of Jackson in the Ravens, how he'll be used, and what will happen here of when he'll progress into being a quarterback? Yeah, I, Tony, I'll say this about Lamar Jackson. He was my top-rated quarterback coming into this draft because, quite honestly, he's the most athletic player, better than Saquon Barkley, and he is a quarterback. So a lot has been said about his inconsistent passer rating, 
59%, but a lot has been known about Josh Allen's talent moving on in terms of the wide receivers. Lamar Jackson lost his top three wide receivers from 2016 and still put up dynamic numbers. When you have to account for every player on the defensive side of the ball, including the quarterback, for defensive coordinators, that's a huge problem. And that's the one thing that Lamar Jackson could do. Uh, he's not just a pocket passer, and he got better as a pocket passer. I think he's a, a, a very underrated pocket passer. But what he can do in terms of putting pressure on the perimeter with his legs, that's going to be a nightmare for defensive backs and more importantly outside linebackers and when you can do that from an offensive perspective you have an advantage and I think Baltimore incorporates them right away in the shotgun maybe on special types of situations one or two series throughout the year with Joe Flacco and then year number two will be where Lamar Jackson really takes the big big steps as a quarterback but I think he'll be playing right away I mean we've seen it Cordell Stewart did it with Pittsburgh years ago. He's going to be a quarterback in this league. And three, four years down the road, people will be saying, why don't we take Lamar Jackson as top-ranked quarterback in this draft? Talking with Joe Lisi, go for the two.com. Joe, when you look, I want to go to, uh, I want to, go to D.C. and uh, talk about these running backs. Last year, they brought in Sam P. Ryan. Fantasy owners were like, we'll give him a shot in the mid-late rounds of fantasy drafts, see if he's the guy that can pop. I didn't touch him. I had a feeling he was going to be trash. And um, he didn't have an exciting season at all. Had trouble with the fumbles, staying healthy and stuff like that. This year they bring in uh, LSU running back Darius Geis. After he slips, they were able to go out and make the move and bring him in. You see Geis as a guy that moves right in and Sam P. Ryan being an obvious backup player. Yeah, I do. I, I think that when you look at both players, uh, P. Ryan was more of a bowling ball type of back. Got a lot of yards in Oklahoma's offense, but he wasn't uh, an NFL elite running back. I mean, he got a lot of hype because he set a college record against Kansas rushing for over 400 yards, but Darius Geis from an athletic standpoint, Corey, has great vision and more importantly, great patience, sets up his blocks like a a young Le'Veon Bell. The one thing in his game that he's a little raw in is his pass-catching ability because he played with a quarterback, Danny Etling, that got drafted in the seventh round didn't utilize him in the short intermediate passing game, but his vision is what will make him an elite running back on the next level. He runs with an attitude, did it in LSU against elite competition. So I think, I think Washington got a great pickup. He was a first round grade in my opinion, slipped down, but I think that he's going to make Washington uh, Redskins fans and fantasy owners very happy in 2018. You know, it's interesting. You talked about the uh, LSU quarterback. The Patriots selected him in the seventh round. I think uh, Bill Belichick only uh, watches that SEC conference. I don't think he knows there are any <laughs> other conferences out there. Uh, that's interesting. What about this Tanner Lee that played in Nebraska? He came out a lot of heat. The uh, Jacksonville Jaguars select him in the sixth round. Um, it, it, there's always the talk about Blake Bortles' replacement. Is there any hope for Tanner Lee down the line? He, he reminds me of Blake Bortles, Tony, coming out of uh, out of uh, Nebraska last year. He was a two-lane transfer, came with a lot of hype, and he set a Nebraska record in terms of he threw the most uh, pe- touchdown passes for a Nebraska quarterback since 2012 when Taylor Martinez, uh, Taylor Martinez was there, 23 total touchdown passes. He's a big guy, goes about 6'5", about 220 pounds, but he's a turnover machine. He struggled with Mike Riley last year, looks down receivers and throws into coverage a number of times. Again, I think he's uh, Blake Bortles 2.0 in terms of his play. I don't think he's got huge upside. 
but he did get drafted because of his measurable, 6'5", about 220 pounds. But I don't see him being a huge upgrade over Blake Bortles in years, years to come. Talking with my man, Joe Lisi. Joe, let me ask you a question. Do you watch anything? Are you, do you, like, will you, like, sit down today and turn on the basketball games? Will you be watching the Yankees or the Mets throughout the course of the week? Or are you just NFL, college football, and leave me alone? That's it. NFL, college football. I'm knee-deep in statistics, Corey. My preview okay. comes out next week. So I'm breaking down conference picks and uh, games for uh, week number one, August 30th and September 1st for the 2018 season. Love, the, love college and pro football. I'll tell you what. I, we were talking about Calvin Ridley, right? And I, I was like, this is a guy that if I'm drafting right now in a rookie draft, I would take him probably after Saquon Barkley if I was uh, feeling the upside here. And if I was Coach Sarkeesian, as soon as that draft pick was made, I would have been going right to my playbook and finding every three wide receiver set I could have and have try people to try to stop us. What's your thoughts on Ridley? People went down on him after the combine. That's where he lost his steam. Uh, people started talking about his measurables at the combine, and they weren't up to elite status, but his play on the field was elite. What's your thoughts on Calvin Ridley? Yeah, we spoke about this when we did the show about a month ago, uh, Tony. I, I think Calvin Ridley's the best wide receiver in this draft, even though he's a little bit older than a couple of the other players. From what he did on the SEC now, his numbers aren't going to wow people because of the progression of Jalen Hurts as a quarterback in Tuscaloosa the last couple of years. But he's a big game player. And when the lights are on and when you need a big play, Calvin Ridley's your guy. He did it in a national championship game, did it on a college football playoff game. He steps up. He can block. He's a 5 tool wide receiver, and he's smooth. He reminds me of a young Antonio Brown and that type of frame and that type of position. So I think he could dominate the NFL again now where he went to Atlanta playing with uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones they're going to have a dynamic offense and and you see teams now like you mentioned Bill Belichick taking the SEC we've seen Atlanta now take Alabama wide receivers so certain teams are buying in to what teams are doing at the collegiate level and uh, it's more of a cookie cutter mentality now but I think Ridley's going to have a huge upside uh, for Atlanta in, in years to come. Yeah, I think Ridley's in a pretty good spot. I agree with you and, and Tony 100% on that one. Hey, to me, uh, um, you know, not this may not really be much for fantasy purposes, but then again, it could be, Joe. Uh, my Dallas Cowboys, they drafted this guy, Michael Gallup. What's the scouting report? What's the rub on Michael Gallup? Yeah, he's a solid receiver, Corey. He played at Colorado State. He's got great size, goes about 6'3", about 222 pounds. But, again, is he an elite burner that's going to take the top off opposing defenses? No. I think there's some other wide receivers they could have gotten that have better speed and, and better route-running ability. Michael Gallup will catch the football out of Ty's point. I think he's a compliment wide receiver. Can mm -hmm. he develop to being the heir apparent to Des Bryant? I just don't see it, not from what I saw in college. I think he'll be a solid pro, but I just don't think he'll be an elite wide receiver on the next level. You know, it's kind of crazy. Is after the draft, when you go back and you look at some things, the one thing that comes up to me is that I don't understand how Josh Rosen wasn't the number one pick in the draft. When you're looking at a guy that's NFL-ready, and being a guy that stays in the pocket, can fire the ball, but does have some athletic ability for a 6'4", 225-pound quarterback and a strong arm. I don't understand. Now, I watch UCLA play, 
and they were terrible, and they underachieved a lot of times. And a lot of that is, you know, Coach Moore is underachieved everywhere he's been in life. Uh, but he's in the, you know, he was in the right heritage uh, growing up there. W- what's the deal with Rosen? Did Arizona get a gift here? They might have. I mean, I think a benefit is they're a West Coast team, so he's got the West Coast fanfare. He's used to playing in that type of landscape, and he reminds me a little of Carson Palmer in terms of his demeanor in that regard. Carson Palmer was a much better college quarterback. Again, from an intangible perspective, Tony, you're right. If this was a seven-on-seven drill, Josh Rosen would be my guy. From an intangible, intangible perspective, I didn't think he elevated his teammates in any way, shape, or form. He came on three years ago, and he hit the ground running with over 350 yards his first game of the year, but he couldn't win on the road as a college quarterback, and that's the one thing I think when you look at 0-5 last year on the road over his last 10 starts, 1-9, and he couldn't make the teammates around him better. They didn't win a bowl game. He didn't win a Pac-12 championship game. So from those intangibles, I just think that Josh Rosen is a mediocre quarterback from NFL standards. Now, if you give him a clean pocket and he has all day to throw, he's your guy. He looks like Aaron Rodgers. He has a little bit of Jay Cutler in him. But we know Jay Cutler didn't translate to the NFL because, again, he didn't make the players around him better. So I think he's the same type of player. He has all the attributes. But what can you do in terms of buying into your teammates and, more importantly, having them buy into you to win ball games? And that's the one thing I think Josh Rosen struggles in uh, from a collegiate level, and I think he'll struggle in the pros in that aspect. My man Joe Lisi rocking with us. Go for the two dot com. Hey Joe, you said you all be writing the book on uh, the next couple of days. Got to get ready to release the book. When the book comes out, will my copy be shipped to me, or do I have to go through the ordering process? No, no, Corey. You'll get you'll get yours. You just tell me you want a paperback or electronic. So it's being sold <laughs> in both. It'll be about three hundred and fifty to four, and uh, probably about three hundred and seventy five pages, but. Uh, all all the Power Five teams will be covered statistically, and I'll give my predictions for the college football playoffs. So that, that's uh, that's what I'm working on currently. That's Good awesome because then we don't have to watch the season. We could just we already know. What <laughs> you know, one of the things we talked about a guy that landed a a good place and he's not getting a lot of talk is Ronald Jones. Tampa's been searching for a running back. It's a pretty good offense there. Uh, Ronald Jones is a guy that a lot of NFL teams worry about. Can he break that tackle because he's a little smaller back? I think the guy's in a great place, and I think that a lot of people are going to be missing out on Ronald Jones. Yeah, Ronald Jones is a solid back. I mean, he put up over 1,500 rushing yards with Sam Donald, and he has great vision. Again, I think when you look at some of the running backs that they've had there uh, over the last couple of years, I mean, uh, they had Doug Martin there, didn't live up to expectations. Uh, Again, I think Ronald Jones is a solid back. Is he an elite back? Is he a Darius Geis, a Sony Michelle type of back, or even Rashad Penny that we saw go to Seattle? No, I think it will be a complimentary back in that system, but he could catch the football out of the backfield. And again, he won't be a workhorse in my opinion, Tony, but he's a solid pickup for the offense in Tampa. All right, my man, Joe Lisi. Joe, can you, um, you're getting ready to coming up against the break. Can you hang out with us for another segment? Or you uh, got yeah. stuff to do today? I no, cool. I, c- I could hang. I'm glad to have you, Joe. So there you go right there, <laughs> Joe Lisi. Going to rock with us for another segment. I want to ask about um, some of these tight ends that went off the board. Also want to get into a discussion <clears throat> about a couple of running backs that we haven't mentioned yet as we really um, look, rosters are getting set now and really guys are going to start going out there and start getting in the fantasy football draft since now we know 
pretty much who's going to go where and what. Still some pieces left to be decided out there, but we're getting ready to get in the position to break it down. So having a good time right now. We'll come back on the other side. Joe Lisi will stay with us. It's the Fantasy Football Frenzy right here on FNTSY Radio. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses. No strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Final few moments of the program. Joe Lisi, go for the two.com. Cool enough to hang out with us, break down some of this NFL draft stuff as we start to push towards kickoff 2018. Joe, um, you mentioned Rashad Penny and going to Seattle before we uh, went to break. What, what would you say would be a player comp for Rashad Penny? Because we've seen this Seattle Seahawks running game struggle really since uh, Marshawn Lynch left, since they didn't give him the ball on the goal line. Seattle really hasn't had a running game. We've seen flashes from guys like Chris Carson and stuff like that, and that little frail running back. I know the dame that can't stay on the field. He needs to be playing two-hand touch. But when you bring when you bring Penny in there, is Penny going to be able to wrestle this job from day one? Yeah, I think he, you just mentioned it. Marshawn Lynch would be a comparable, Ooh. in my opinion, to to Rashad Penny, a young uh, Marshawn Lynch coming out of Cal. I think that when you look at R- Rashad Penny, especially at the point of contact, uh, uh, people make the comparison to Ronnie Hillman or Danell Pumphrey that came out of San Diego State. He's not that type of back. He's a, he can move the change. He's a, really a very tough inside runner and doesn't go down at the first sign of contact. Rushed for over 200 yards against mediocre competition the last five games of the year. But against Pac-12 competition like Arizona State and Stanford, he dominated, rushed for over 150 yards in both of those ball games, guys. And I, again, I'll say this: he runs with an attitude. I interviewed Marshall Falk at the College Football Hall of Fame before that problems in December. He thinks Rashad Penny, unbelievable talent on the next level. I, I can't disagree. I think he's a first-round talent, going to come in and start immediately. And I think he's going to be a thousand-yard rusher for Seattle. Again, I, I really think he has that type of capability. You know, of course, the feel-good story of the whole draft was, of course, in the fifth round, Shaquem Griffin. And a lot of people look at this in, in multiple ways. Like, is, is this a gimmick? Um, can the guy play at this level? So I remember going back to before the, um, they played in the game against Auburn and, and watching this whole situation at UCF and then watching his plays. And for one, the guy has um, – the guy can catch the ball when it's thrown to him, it's amazing to me. And, you know, they said, can you tackle with one hand? Well, he had nine sacks there. What's your thoughts? Can this guy play at the NFL level? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we've seen a player like Jason Pierre-Paul play with a club on his hand last yeah, year yeah. or a couple of years ago and, and and play well. 
So I don't think there's any any reason why he can't play for Seattle. And here's the thing, Tony, too, from just a measurable perspective, he came to the combine and ran the fastest 40 time out of any linebacker there. So we're not talking about a player that, you know, was just happy to be there from the measurables. And he did it on the field. His team was 13-0 and last year, and he was a main reason why. He's going to Seattle. He can play special teams, even though special teams might be sort of, you know, weaned out over the next couple of years in the NFL. But he's a player that can contribute immediately. And I think he's going to make Seattle very happy. And don't be shocked if he starts immediately in special types of defensive situations because he's a type of player that really gets the whole unit involved and really raises the intensity level because of his play on the field. And that's something that, as an NFL coach, you want to see. All right, that's that's interesting. You say you think special teams is going to be phased out. Do you think we're going to get to the point, Joe, where we're just going to start driving the 20-yard line? I hope not. I hope not, Corey. But we're doing that in college where any kickoff inside the 25-yard line could be fair caught. And due to the concussions and everything that's being every, – every research that we see, we're starting to go that way. It's unfortunate. But, uh, again, I, I'm under the notion it's a hit-or-be-hit type of sport. You don't have to play. I like the physicality in the sport. I don't want to see us go where all of a sudden we evolve into a sport that we don't recognize as the game of football. So, But I think that's where we're headed in years to come. Let me. Here's the thing I don't understand, and I don't understand why under any reason anyone would fair catch a, a ball inside the 25-yard line. I have no idea. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, I, th- the only idea I can think of is that you're afraid to be hit. So, uh, <laughs> again, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's, where, that's where we're headed in the college game. So uh, we'll see if it has any, any type of uh, beneficial effect. But I can tell you this, uh, in terms of more plays, you'll see more plays on the field, less running time. But, uh, again, we're going to the sport of, uh, of a non-contact sport of football towards the NFL level, and from that aspect, I'm not too happy because it is one of the most physical sports around, and if you take that aspect out of the game, uh, it really changes the the whole landscape of of what we love about the game of football. Joe, um, Detroit Lions have been struggling to get running back play. Might as well say since Barry Sanders, to be 100% honest with you. Guys have come in there and failed – can't really get the running game going. This is one of the teams that notoriously is um, in the top of the league when it comes to attempts, passing attempts. Now they bring in Carrion Johnson to be the running back out there. They draft him, should have that job from the jump. Can Carrion Johnson be a 1,000-yard back in year one? Yeah, I think he can. I think some of the backs that you mentioned outside of Barry Sanders over, over the years recently, you look at Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick coming out of Notre Dame, they weren't very big running backs. They were diminutive running backs, about 5'9", 5'10", in stature, about 200 pounds. You're talking about Kerryon Johnson that goes 6'1", about 233 pounds. He's a patient runner, and he is a runner that can wear down opposing defenses at the point of attack, rush for uh, over 1,200 yards and 18 rushing touchdowns for Auburn dominated teams like Alabama and, more importantly, Georgia in the SEC. So as the game goes on, as long as he's healthy, had a shoulder injury, should be healed now, 
He's a guy that can control the line of scrimmage for Detroit, allow them to maintain time of possession drives and wear down opposing defenses, especially in the fourth quarter. I think he'll be a 1,000-yard rusher for the Lions. I thought it was a great pickup uh, for that offense at Matt Stafford. Now, I want to hop right back right quick, Tony, and he, you're 100% right. He was phenomenal in that game against Georgia, and Georgia puts people in the NFL on their defensive side of the football. So I think carry-on does have a good opportunity here. I agree with you on that, Tony. You know, since you uh, have been working really hard on putting together next year's college football season and have it laid out, um, i got to ask you, who do you have as your top four teams? So I don't have to watch the season. I haven't picked <laughs> Tony, I haven't picked it yet. I'm in the process oh. of doing it now. I'm not I'm not giving that out now. I'm still writing that out. We're doing conference yeah. picks. And then I put my top four teams in there. You're not going to get me to give my top four. All right, let me yeah. ask you. I'll ask, I'll ask you in a roundabout way. Am I going to get stuck watching Alabama and Clemson play again? <laughs> well, the one thing that both of those teams do, Tony, is that they recruit top five talent and they coach it up on the defensive side of the ball. So when you look at what Dabo Sweeney has done and Brad Venables, they've lost top defensive talent year in and year out. And it statistically have been in the top 10 defenses over the last three years, just like Nick Saban and Jeremy Pruitt. The one thing I think when you look at Nick Saban, they lose Jeremy Pruitt, defensive coordinator. That, that could be a, a hit for that defense, along with some of the players that they lost last year, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick being the, the leader of that secondary. But Nick Saban's the, the guru. He's the mad scientist, and he'll find a way to get it done. Uh, I just wrote down January 9th, watch Alabama and Clemson again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask you about a couple of these wide receivers, um, Joe, as we get ready to wrap it, uh, wind down final uh, couple minutes of the program. Um, the guy out of Maryland, DJ Moore, he is now a Carolina Panther. Also, they got Torrey Smith out there who's washed up. They got Devin Funches. Also going to get a chance. Obviously, you'll see a lot of uh, receptions from um, from the running back, Christian McCaffrey. I worry about North Turner, though. And North Turner, who's such a relic of an offensive coordinator, how does he incorporate a young talent like, like Moore? And, and what can Moore be at the next level? you got to get him in space. I mean, the one thing about D.J. Moore that he did fantastic uh, in Maryland is that he led that team in receptions and over the course of his career played with nine different quarterbacks. They had a lot of injuries there for the program, and he found a way to adjust to the new quarterback play. That's the, that's a very hard thing from a, a wide receiver perspective. I think you have to find ways to get him into space. I think he's a raw wide receiver, though. I don't think, he, in my opinion, I like Calvin Ridley over D.J. Moore but North Turner will have to find ways to get him into space because I think that's his best attribute. But we'll see if he could do it with Cam Newton this season. When you look at this, this year's draft and you look after the third round, who is the guy that was drafted after the third round that could make the biggest impact in the National Football League? It's intriguing because, I mean, there's a few guys. I mean, I'm looking at some free agent guys that – that got picked up, and Rich and I spoke about it off air uh, over the weekend. I like Simi Cobbs uh, for what he did. I, I had Simi Cobbs uh, that was picked up as a free agent from Indiana. He's a big body. He's about 6'5", 220 pounds. I think he's going to be a dominant, dominant wide receiver in the NFL. People might think I'm nuts, but uh, I, I look out for Simi Cobbs. He's one of the guys that – that I like uh, in this in the free agent market that just got picked up after draft day. So keep an eye out for him. All right, uh, talking with my man, my main man, um, 
Mr. Joe Lisi. Joe, when you look at some of these quarterbacks that go a little bit further down the board, um, obviously you see the Pittsburgh Steelers pick up Mason Rudolph. Also interesting pickup by the Pittsburgh Steelers was James Washington, Martavis, the wide receiver. Martavis Bryant no longer in the mix. He gets traded on draft day, but you have Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. What do you think about Washington in year one? Uh, I, I like James Washington. Again, he's a guy that can get behind opposing defenses, catch the football at its highest point, playing with Mason Rudolph now. I think that's going to be a great combo for Pittsburgh. One thing about James Washington, he has sprinter speed. So he's a big body, too. He's only about 5'10", but does – the weigh around 215, 220 pounds, but he's a little, little rigid in terms of his route running ability. But again, to be utilized on fly sweeps, to play the slot and catches the football at its highest point, and he's a physical guy. So I think bump and run contact, even though we struggled at the Senior Bowl, I think he can match up very well against opposing defensive backs. Uh, I think he could work over the middle as well in the, at the next level, and that's a big thing for wide receivers making the move from college to the pros. Mm, 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 mm. You know, it's interesting when you look at some of these guys uh, that were uh, drafted, and I'm going to ask you, um, who's the one quarterback that wasn't in the top six that you think has the best shot to make an impact some, somewhere down the line in the National Football League? I like Kurt Benkert. Uh, he didn't get drafted as well, but I have him as a fifth-round grade. I, I think he's a big body, 6'5", about 223 pounds, played it uh, in the ACC, completed about 58% of his passes, 25 touchdowns. He's a player that I think you have to keep an eye out for because of his arm strength. And another player that got drafted in the later rounds was Logan Woodside. This player from Toledo two years ago led FBS in touchdown passes with 45. He's a very athletic quarterback coming from the MAC. He's a smart quarterback, lost some big players from that offense. Two years ago, Kareem Hunt was in that offense. That's when he put up those dynamic numbers. Last year with Terry Swanson, he dropped down to about 28 touchdown passes. But he's a guy that makes all the throws. He's a player that I think he could be a special talent. He has some of Kirk Cousins' attributes in terms of physicality so I think that's what you look at when you see translation to the NFL and keep an eye out for Logan Woodside uh, this this coming year uh, in the NFL Joe selfishly I asked you about the first round draft pick of my Dallas Cowboys the inside linebacker lay something something I don't even know his name um what do you think Joe I think he's a spitting image of Sean Lee. I said this on Friday night. He's a player that can run sideline to sideline. He's very solid in run support. He's a blue-collar player. Uh, I think he can get add 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, Corey, and not lose a beat in terms of his speed. He's an instinctive player. He knows how to get around blocks. Is he that type of, uh, I want to say, linebacker like a Reuben Foster, just from his on-the-field play in terms of his, at the point of attack, taking on offensive linemen? No, but he can get to the uh, opposing ca- uh, ball carrier. He reminds me a little of Kiko Alonso as well in terms of body type. Mm-hmm. Always around the football, but I think he's I think he's a better player than Kiko Alonso will, will be in, on the NFL. So keep an eye out for him. I think it's a good pickup for Dallas. Yeah, Kiko never got a lot of love from the NFL people. No, he didn't. Uh, Again, he played at Oregon, so his body type was a little soft. Uh, When he went to Miami, I don't like him. I mean, uh, again, uh, 
but he's always around the football and he's a player that makes plays. And I think that's the one thing when you look at, when you want a linebacker, you want to be there and run support. You always want to be around the football. And when opposing offensive linemen have to account for you on every play because of your speed, that's an attribute that translates to the next level. And that's what he, that's what he, that's what he has in his game. So I think he's going to make the defense very strong for Dallas in the upcoming years, but he is a spitting image of Sean Lee as well, because he's always around the football. Um, for, for years now, a place that wide receivers have gone to kind of die has been the Chicago Bears. What do you think about their pickup of Anthony Miller? I love Anthony Miller. I mean, playing with Riley Ferguson in Memphis, he's a player, 94 receptions, over 1,400 yards. He's a small player, about 5'11", can play the slot, but he's a guy that's always around the football, has great soft hands, he's a physical guy, and he's a gamer. I mean, he never gives up in terms of his routes, and that's the one thing I think he's going to make Chicago you know, fans and fantasy owners very happy. He's a gamer as well, brings his best in the best games of the year, for the Tigers, steps up on the national stage. So keep an eye out for Anthony Miller. I think he's going to be a solid pro on the next level. Miller time. Oh, nice. Well, that's good right there. Oh, Joe Lisi, my man, thank you very much for taking some time out your Sunday morning to rock with us. Really appreciate you, uh, Joe Lisi. Go for the two.com. And uh, whenever you need to come on and we get ready to pump that book out there for you, just holler at me, my man, and we got you covered. You got it, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Love talking college and pro football with you. All right, there you go right there. Joe Lisi, go for the2.com. Of course, his program right here on the network will be coming back as we push towards the 2018 college football season. So, Tone, I think we got everybody pretty well covered on what we should, you know, not not covered, but a good start to what we should look for uh, in the next couple of months as we start to push towards August when fantasy drafts start to heat up. Yeah, the only thing we neglected, and um, I guess we did it in reference to uh, Jake Seeley, is we didn't ask about Daniel Carlson, the kicker from Auburn that was selected in the fifth round, or Jason Sanders, the seventh-round uh, kicker uh, that was selected by the Miami Dolphins. It is time to eliminate the kicker from fantasy football, Tony. <laughs> Can't do it. Cannot do Can't it. do it. You gotta, you know, Joe. Uh, Joe, we didn't know. Remember, yeah, the Tampa Bay picked the uh, kid in the first round. Yeah, didn't work out too good. There's too much no. pressure on a kicker when you take him in the first round because now they're opt- they're, they're now they're almost you put that player in a the position. They're almost a real to- football player. Exactly. Now he has to hit every. <laughs> now he has to hit every kick. Because he was drafted in the first round. So, uh, always a bad idea. Hey, Toma, man, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Shout out to Pete Constantori. Fancy Football Frenzy right here on FNTSY Radio. We are out.